What's up, Secret Sauce Nation? You can probably tell by the title that this is an episode I recorded last year with Kayla Smith. I wanted to re-release this episode for three reasons. Number one, I'm including practical resources this time around in the episode description that Kayla inspired us to create when this episode was originally released. Things like a new team member questionnaire to uncover valuable information about your people and a structured guide to scale what Kayla would call the bloodline of her systems one-on-ones. Don't worry, Kayla, your royalty check is in the mail. Number two, a lot of you heard Kayla speak about these topics during her time on the main stage in Common Ground at Next and probably want to hear more details about it. Number three, we've added a ton of new listeners to the show over the past month, and this is a must-hear episode. Again, don't forget to check out the resources in the episode description. We'll be back in two weeks with a fresh interview, but for now... Let's revisit my conversation with Kayla on Systems for Connection. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Secret Sauce Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Swing, and I could not be more excited for our episode today. Kayla Smith from Chick-fil-A Germantown Town Center in Gaithersburg, Maryland, is someone I've been trying to drag onto this podcast for the past year now. In all seriousness, she embodies the Chick-fil-A corporate purpose and is an absolute systems guru. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Come on, Josh. Do I really have to listen to you talk about standard operating procedures and opening and closing checklists for the next 30 minutes? Good news. Those aren't the kind of systems we're talking about. I'm talking about systems for care, accountability, connection, celebration, building relationships, all the good stuff. I did not think it was possible to pack this much value and wisdom into one episode, but here we are. Let's dig in. Kayla, it is finally happening. Thank you for coming to the podcast, even though you don't actually love being on podcasts. That is true. I actually, I hate it. (laughs) It is such a strong word. We're going to have fun though. This is going to be, this is going to be one of the fun ones. We're going to laugh a lot. Uh, We're going to even talk about that. The fact that you hate podcasts, but you're still pushing yourself to do it as part of our podcast episode today. But I can't wait to dive into some of the content that you have to share, the value you have to add to everybody today. So we're going to kick it off with a little twist on my normal question. Kayla, you're shipwrecked. You're on a deserted island. There's nobody there. There's no sign of rescue for the foreseeable future. But God is going to give you one Chick-fil-A sauce to have on the deserted island to be able to put on anything that you would need to eat. What sauce are you going with? I would choose probably not a fan favorite, but the buffalo sauce is one of my favorite go-tos. So I think I would choose that if I had to. That's a bold choice. You have to like spicy to like have spicy on everything. True. So I was thinking through the filter of probably eating fish. And so for some reason, it just made sense to me. How are your fishing skills? Are you like pretty confident with, with sharpening oh a spear? And No, but I, I have, I have a great level of tenacity. So I think I'll figure it out eventually. So Kayla will find a way. I am confident of that. Well, let's dig into the theme of the podcast today. The follow-up question to that question would be if you had to label Kayla's personal secret sauce for how you add the most amount of value to your team uniquely, what would you label that that unique secret sauce as? I would say, if I could choose one word, it would be systems. Well, you could say systems and processes. 
I built my entire organization around systemizing and creating sustainability. It's a roller coaster. And after 10 years of experiencing lots of different problems or setbacks, what I find that creates the most sense of peace and calm is to have some kind of process in place where for most of the time, A plus B does equal C. That's my mindset. Of course, you have to tweak as you grow. But for the most part, I feel like if I can make the system work, and even in some ways from an accountability standpoint, make the system the bad guy, there's a lot of safety in that. The team knows what to expect. They know what to do next. Um, a lot of times what we hear on teams is that job satisfaction is linked to communication or feeling like they know what's going on. And I think systems kind of answers a lot of those things for them. Yeah. I love the phrase that you just mentioned, make the systems the bad guy or make the system the bad guy because accountability is challenging. It's, it's really difficult at times. Unpack that a little bit more about what that practically looks like within the restaurant and how you can lean on the systems to apply some of that accountability. I think when it comes to accountability specifically, I don't want the team to say, oh, so-and-so manager is the, the bad one. So-and-so manager, I can get away with things. So-and-so manager is always coming down on me. You kind of always hear those kinds of stories. And so for me, it's really giving my leaders the safety net of like, this is not you being the bad and this is not you giving harsh feedback. This is not a personal attack on the on the team member. This is just the way it has to be. And it's really then easy to explain to the team member, hey, your behavior, your actions, you know, dictate this kind of result. There's a natural consequence to the decisions that you made. And in our business, the natural consequence is that, you know, you're going to be suspended or you're going to have a write-up or you're going to be sent home for the day or perhaps termination. And I have found that that makes the conversation in the room a lot easier because you're not saying, hey, I'm suspending you or I'm terminating you. It's, hey, this is just the way the system works and we're, we're fair and we're even. And so this is what's happening next for you. Yeah. In a way, you separate the person from the action. Right? It's not a result of who the person is. It's a result of the system that's in place that dictates the outcomes. So I think that's really powerful. And especially in a culture like Chick-fil-A, who is the world's most caring company, you just attract very caring people, which a lot of times those people that are caring can err on the side of like term, what I would label terminal niceness. Like the, you never want to be the bad guy. And so as a, as a result, you're always nice and there's never any kind of reinforcement that that's in place, but it allows the people who do have that kindness, that warm heart, that caring mentality to still be able to step in and apply structure and accountability. And have so, that hard conversation, which Wild Spark has helped. I have a lot of leaders that do lean more on the relationship side and you just have to kind of create something that makes it easy for them. So we learned that through Wild Spark as well with three C's and, you know, leaders coaching and feedback and all those kinds of things. So some of the greats in the, in the hall of fame of, of Wild Spark <laughs> content, there's a lot of good stuff in there that I also use on a regular basis, celebrate champion and challenge and coaching for impact that coach model, uh, so much good stuff in there from a systems perspective. So that's, that's awesome. Now, Kayla, have you always been systems minded? Is that something that you learned? early on in your Chick-fil-A career? Did you learn it after becoming an operator? When did that click for you? I think I've always been that way. When I look back on just the way I handled high school and being an entry-level leader, I always craved 
there to be a process. Um, I don't like the ambiguity of like, well, we don't, no one knows what's going on or no one knows what's next or, and so I have always been the person that creates an Excel sheet or a checklist or, you know, a whiteboard, or I just have always been that kind of leader and it has perfected over the years. And now there's these great systems that you can use like Jolt and in the restaurant that help you execute on those levels. But yeah, I've always been, my brain is a little bit wired that way. I would say I was raised that way in my household. So I don't know much else than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that leads me to my next question because I know you super well through our relationship with WildSpark and have gotten the chance to hang out with you at different DC market meetings and, and different things like that. And I know that you wouldn't typically label yourself as this, and I'm doing air quotes right now, super relational all right, person. There's ways that you even leveraged systems and have been, been able to systemize some of that. I'd love for you to dig in on that side because when a lot of people think systems, they think, oh, business processes are operationally focused. A lot of times they're not thinking relational when they think about systems and processes. So talk to me about that side of your systems and how you leverage that in a really impactful way. You're right. I think when people hear systems and processes, they think of a closing checklist and opening checklist. You know, this is what we do if a piece of equipment breaks. And you're right. That's typically where a normal Chick-fil-A store is going to have a lot of laminated checklists and things like that. But for me, I've always been more results oriented. And so that makes sense to me. That comes naturally. I don't really have to even think or breathe when it comes to that. It just flows from me. But I think when it comes to the relationship side, I learned really early on in my career that I was a little bit off balance there. And when I was younger and less refined, (laughs) I could bulldoze over people or I could show less empathy in situations. And so I was quickly labeled someone that needed to work on that relationship side of the puzzle piece. And actually, if I could just share a quick story, one of my mentors in Chick-fil-A when I was in the internship process, Lisa Churchfield, if you know her, she actually stopped me one time and said, you know, if you can't figure out this relationship side, like Chick-fil-A is not going to be the right place for you. In fact, you would be super successful going to New York City and working for a big firm or something like that, where that tenacity and that ambition, you can run on it and you don't really have to care for people, but she's like, you'll never make it here. And that was a wake up conversation for me that I was like, oh my gosh, I just kind of assumed that I could make it work. That was the moment when I started to say, okay, well, how do I make this work? What do I do different? Obviously I care for people. I love my team deeply. I moved to tears for them at this point. I want to spend time with them and, and mentor them and help them in their personal lives. And all that's true and authentic. I just tend to the natural bias is to choose a results oriented conversation over a relationship one. So I systemized it because systems is what I know best. It doesn't take away from my genuine love and care for them. It just manifests itself differently. And I know that I have to put something in place or the days and the weeks run away from us. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're three months later and you haven't had those kind of conversations or you haven't built a relationship with a certain person. There's always going to be something distracting us from that. And so for me, do a couple of things if you want me to share. Yeah, get into details. I'd love to hear it. So one of the things that we do is I have every single meeting we have, we start with encouragement cards, whether that's a manager meeting, a team leader meeting, a trainer meeting, a development meeting. It doesn't matter what it is. That's the first 
I call it the first 10. The first 10 minutes of the meeting is designed to write an encouragement card to somebody on the team. You're taking like intentional time and space to have them journal down on that card during that first 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that I have had to teach them how to write thank you cards and how Mm -hmm. to write encouragement cards. It's a generational, there's a disconnect. They don't know how to tell someone how they feel about them in written form. It's very interesting. So I've had to pause and and share with them, hey, it's almost like the three C's, except for leaving yeah. off the last one. We don't want to challenge them in a card, but yeah. championing who they are, celebrating the thing that you saw them do this week. And so we incorporate that. So my team's gone, I would say between 15 and 20 cards are written a week. Um, and there's something special about a handwritten note too that's just different than a text or an email. Like those things are great. If that's all you have time for, still do it. But there's something very different about like actually pen to paper and like physically handing something to somebody or physically sending something to somebody. So I love that that's happening there. Well, yeah, it takes so much intentionality and that just speaks to people like, oh my gosh. And in all honesty, it takes 90 seconds to do, but it lands different. And so I always make sure I have like this little craft caddy and in the caddy is all these different kinds of cards and stickers and markers. And they can kind of, we just plop it down in the middle of the meeting table and say, okay, write your cards. That has been a huge help. The team responds to those. I mean, they will walk up to you and tears sometimes and say, thank you for your card. That meant a lot to me. So I also systemize like our birthday celebration process, making sure that that's systemized throughout the year. We write handwritten birthday cards to everyone and send them in the mail. And then they get a certificate for a small catering tray and they get balloons and they get their favorite candy. Now, favorite candy is difficult because it's very personal. Mm -hmm. So the way that we understand what their favorite candy is is on orientation day, they fill out this little, it's called an all about me. And it's a very small form that they fill out all their favorites, favorite cereal, favorite candy, favorite fast food place. It creates this little database of information about each person that's extremely personal. And so then you can use that later in their career to celebrate them or to gift them or recognize them. And so on their birthday, they get their favorite candy. And they're like, how did you know that I liked raspberry flavored Twix? Like it's the most random thing in the world. That sounds awful. Raspberry Twix. I don't even know if that exists, but I'm trying to fit something gross. (laughs) That's so personal. That's so intentional. And I'm like, well, do you remember your orientation day when you filled out that sheet? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, we keep those. Even if you were just like super relational, the chances of you finding out what their favorite candy are, you may get to know them as a like, or slim to none, right? If that comes up in conversation. And so because you have that system in place, it allows you to capture that information. And then the way that you're using it is so cool. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. No, that's great. And That has paid forward in so many different ways beyond just a birthday celebration. I've had leaders that I've been able to gift them concert tickets because it has their favorite. Who would you like to see in concert? What's your favorite team sport to attend? And so when I'm looking for ways, again, to even acknowledge my leadership team, it's not just this generic gift card to the Olive Garden because I'm just making it up. I can actually go in their book and look at their lists of favorites and, and be very intentional about that. So that makes it fun for us too, because we know that our act of generosity is actually landing. It's not just a a hope and a dream that that's going to impact them. A couple other things. I love Vistaprint, just throwing it out there. It's like one of my favorite online platforms to create content for my team, especially if you're not creative. And so I get on Vistaprint and I print little business cards that are basically coupons for if you caught 
living our core values or you're caught serving a guest in a unique way, or you maybe you served the team and stepped up last night on shift. And so the leaders all have a stack of cards and individual mailboxes, and they can go in and access those when they want and hand them out and shout out their team members on shift and give their team a little bit of a a pick me up in those moments. And they're required to send me that picture so I can see it. And then I get to then interact with that team member the next time I see them and say, oh my gosh, I saw you got a card. The trash bag busted open in the back room and you, you took an extra 20 minutes to clean it up. I know that's a gross job, but I thank you so much for for your willingness to step up in that moment. So it, it gives That's me so a point cool. of contact. So. Yeah, it gives it gives them an opportunity. You're empowering them by giving them the power to do that for others with those little cards. Yeah. It seem so simple, but they are. They're really so powerful just to show a level of appreciation beyond just the spoken words of, Absolutely. hey, thank you. So. Yeah, recognition. The last thing we did is we started something new this year. So I have 180 team members, which is an astronomical amount. So many people. (laughs) Lots of reasons why. But I felt like through the team member engagement survey through Chick-fil-A last year that I heard from my team that they sometimes feel like they're just one of many, a cog in the wheel. They wouldn't use those words, but that's what they meant. And so I felt challenged to come up with a way where every team member feels personally cared for by a leader in the restaurant and has their go-to and feels like their voice matters and feels like they have someone to give suggestions to or talk to about maybe struggles in school. And so I subdivided my entire team into 15 smaller groups. Each team has about eight to 12 people in it. And there's a leader over each subgroup. Um, We call them crews. And so every crew has a crew leader and they're required to have a one-on-one with everyone in their crew every quarter. And so my goal is that by the end of the year, every team member has had a personal one-on-one four times with the same leader. And that leader's asking great questions about, it's not a performance evaluation. It's just how's school going? Are you balancing life and outside of here? Can we do anything different to support you? What's your biggest challenge at work right now? Is it a person? Is it a process? What tools are you missing for your job? And so then I get to get that feedback. And again, it's a touch point for me. All of this comes back to me as the operator. And so now yesterday we did a download on some of the one-on-ones and I have a list of 15 team members and very specific things about them that I get to now circle back with. And so when I see them in the hallway, I can be like, Hey, Patrick, I didn't know you were a writer. Like, that's amazing. Like, what are you writing right now? Or what do you want to do with that? And so then like, I don't have personal relationships with all 180, but all 180 can have a personal connection with me. It doesn't go super deep, but it's, it's meaningful. You know, when yeah, your boss no. knows what your hobby is and your boss knows what you're, what you're, what you did last weekend or that you're valedictorian of your class or tell me those things. So there's this funnel of information that's coming to me and all this information is impactful because it allows me to then build connections with them. Yeah. Well, as leaders, we sometimes underestimate even the power of those just small touch points of like giving the team the opportunity to be seen, right? To feel valued based on my boss, the person who runs this restaurant knows about me. There's so much power in that. I mean, I love that everybody has those personal connections too. I would say my favorite part about the Wild Spark culture is I have people on the team who who care about me beyond just what I'm doing professionally. Like they're going to ask me about my kids and life outside of work or playing basketball, like whatever it is. 
because they know me. And so the opportunity to do that at scale with 180 people is just incredible mm -hmm. to allow everybody to feel like, oh, I feel connected. Like I feel dialed in here. Like I'm invested in the lives of, of the people that are here on the team. And you're right. It doesn't take more than 30 seconds. I think that's the thing that we as operators, as our team grows, I know some operators that are like, oh, my team is huge. I don't really know. Some of them don't even know their name. And I'm like, you don't know their name? I guess I understand because I'm, I'm fighting that same tension, but doesn't that kind of spark you to want to do something about that? Because for me, that's fuel for me to say, oh my gosh, I don't know who that person is. How do I, how do I fix that? Mm -hmm. And so I think we always think that these have to be longer moments and they don't. These are snapshot moments and it's all about the quality of the question that you ask. It's not, hey, how's your day? They're all going to say the same thing. It's, hey, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Yeah. Tell me one thing. And what does it do? Number one, you get something super specific and personal, but then that gives you a touch point next week. It builds. Like, How did that thing go this weekend? Mm -hmm. You get to bookend the conversation and you just keep growing from there. And so I think it's, that for me is systemized care. There's yeah. a method to my madness. I have a reoccurring calendar event and it's every other Friday. And it says, text somebody on the team, how much you appreciate them. Mm. And so I literally get that reminder forced to me every Friday. And all I have to do is open the app. We all know that the now app has every team member's number in there. And I can just scroll down and pick a random team member and just say, Hey, you know, I didn't see you this week, or, you know, I know I haven't spent much time with you, but just wanted to let you know, like, I super appreciate your work for Chick-fil-A. And they don't know if that's a calendar reminder for me, but like, no. And they, the responses back are like, oh my gosh, I'm in tears or oh my gosh, I'm so, that makes my, makes my whole week. They think that we are rock stars. And so any amount of attention that we give to them, especially when it comes to appreciation and recognition, I think they just soak it up and it just, it can really truly fuel them for an entire week. So I just, that's kind of how I think about care. I'm so fired up right now. There's just like, unlimited amounts of value and all of these different things that you just unpacked things specifically that I am personally going to go and apply as soon as I leave this conversation. And so mm -hmm. I know that other people out there that are listening right now are getting the same thing. And so I just really appreciate you sharing really in detail what that looks like. I would argue that if you're super relational, again, air quotes or not, right. Or if you don't consider yourself like the most thoughtful, intentional, relational person, you need systems in place and even especially within the world of Chick-fil-A where like operators, leaders are busier than they have ever been before in the history of Chick-fil-A because it's growing so rapidly that even if you are super relational, if you're not careful, if you don't have accountability in place, I guess, to continue being relational, then it's going to fall by the wayside. The demands of the business are too great, right? The tyranny of the urgent is too great to consistently focus on that. And so I love that you have those guardrails in place, Kayla, to make sure that you're doing that and the team feels it. And so, mm. man, really, really cool. I'd like to hear a little bit more about a little bit about your approach to personal growth as an operator and some ways that you've done that. Sure. I've always been a natural learner. I consider myself to be a, a student. I, I enjoy being in situations where I'm soaking things in. I'm always looking for something new in the conversation or in a meeting. I'm always kind of just, there's got to be something here that can change my thought process or how I'm thinking. And so I pride myself on that. Number one, I just constantly am looking for what do I not know? What can I be curious about today? And how can that impact my career or my personal life? But the first thing I think of is like, what is the company that you keep? 
So for me, it's my friends, it's networking, it's making sure that I'm involved in my operator team. It's making sure I can answer the question, like, who can I ask my most embarrassing business question to? <laughs> don't have someone that you can ask that stupid question. Like, why is this on my FCR? <laughs> you got to have someone that you can kind of be vulnerable with and ask those questions to. I love that filter. You have to have somebody in your circle that you can ask dumb questions to. Dumb questions to. You, you have to. <laughs> no fear of judgment or that they're going to think that you're inadequate as a leader or things like that. And so it's really important that I surround myself with those kind of people. And from a networking standpoint, I love to be involved in, even though I'm an introvert, I like to be involved in networking opportunities where I'm around other industry leaders outside of Chick-fil-A. Because if I'm only listening to Chick-fil-A leaders, I think there's a little bit of a, a ceiling on that. And I want to make sure I'm in a room where I'm maybe inadequate or there's a lot of, there's a gap, there's a knowledge gap there. So I like to be in the room where there's real estate leaders in my area or, you know, in the education system, there's leaders or they're the school system. So I enjoy marinating with others and trying to just pick up on what they're doing and what they're learning and being curious about things outside just the restaurant world specifically. Obviously I read and listen to podcasts. I don't do it as much as I want to, but I do it enough that I feel like I am checking that box, making it a priority. Even if it's 10 pages in a book a day or 10 minutes, I try to make the most of, of that opportunity. I'm reading, it's called Win the Day by Mark Batterson right now. Mm. Super great. Every chapter is very individual and doesn't, it does build on itself, but you can kind of just read a chapter at a time. And for me, those are great leadership books where I can kind of do these like daily doses of leadership content and growing and pushing my mind to think differently. And then of course, from a Chick-fil-A standpoint, if you're not listening to Love Works here by Sean York, he will absolutely challenge you to think differently in your business. He is a friend of mine, but also has challenged me from the systemized relationship piece. He will admit the same thing I admitted. He doesn't know this, but a mentor to me in that. So I like to listen to him talk. I always want to choose things that are a little on the edge of my comfort zone. It's not completely out, but it's definitely not in. And it's just enough of a stretch where I know it's good for me, but it's not comfortable for me. Five years into my Chick-fil-A journey, I chose to go to grad school, which was a stretch for me. And I loved every minute of it. Thankful for Chick-fil-A for picking up some of that financial impact on the FCR. So it's a, it's a great way to get some education in on Chick-fil-A's dime. Thank you, Chick-fil-A. But obviously getting a, a degree and getting a master's level degree in, in leadership is going to force you to think different and, and dive into to new things. And so I really have enjoyed that. And then when it comes to my market, I felt inadequate when it came to some of the decisions we were making understanding where we were coming from, from spending market accrual, how we buy media. I would hear these topics in our meetings, but I didn't quite understand how the decisions were being made or what the conversations were like in that room. And so I said, well, I want to learn. And so how do I get in the room? Mm. Um, and so I chose to be the secretary of the board, which allows me to be in the space, listen to the content, capture those notes and send them out all while I'm learning in the process without being an actual voting board member. So for me, that's been huge. And then because of that, 
they have asked me to lean in further into the market and put on training workshops. So now I'm leading things like serve safe for the market, bringing in different corporate trainings, whether it's the throughput team, the drive-through team, food safety teams. And so I'm getting ready to launch those this year in the market. And all of these things just feel a little bit out of reach. They're yeah. stretching me in new ways. I'm having to be a little more extroverted and having to do a little bit of self-discovery along the way, but I think it's that intentionality to always kind of be uncomfortable. They do say the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. So you got to stay curious at all times. And that speaks to your, your constant pursuit. And I share that just like the passion for striving to learn more. And, you know, you got to be careful. Sometimes it can get to be too much. Like there's too much FOMO, I guess that exists. of like, I've got to do more, be more. There's a definitely a balance with it. But I love what you said and not just completely be like living outside of your comfort zone wholly, but continuing to push to the edge of that comfort zone to where you're not burning yourself out, but you are constantly growing and pushing yourself to be better. Even going back to the way that you approach the whole board situation. And I want to encourage our listeners out there. You used a phrase like find a way to get in the room. And it may not be a physical room that we're talking about here with whatever your situation is, but like what's a way that you may not be equipped to be a part of those conversations, but what's a way that you could get into the conversation where you can learn from those conversations to, to get to that level. So really cool creatively how you approach that situation. And then I, I just love uh, within your heart that like commitment to continue pressing forward. And so that sets us up perfect for the last question, really where we'll close out today. Okay, I wanted, I wanted you to talk a little bit about where that fuel comes from, right? The, uh, the commitment at a heart level to continue pressing yourself forward, to continue, right? Even when you don't feel like it, to put yourself on the edge of that comfort zone to continue growing. Um, I know a lot of it goes back to your commitment within Chick-fil-A. So walk me through that process and the way that you fuel that fire internally. It's this incredible legacy and stewardship issue for me. My dad's an operator. So obviously I grew up in, in the restaurant watching him give his all when it wasn't glamorous. There was no reason to continue, to be honest. They weren't making money. He was there sun up, sun down, Sundays. We had many vacations that were cut short because something happened at the restaurant or dad couldn't make it to you know, my school play or like a basketball game or things like that. So being an operator wasn't glamorous. There wasn't in it. You weren't in it to win it necessarily. You were in it because you believed in something and what you believed in was true it. So that legacy of true it, Kathy as well, and the family and what they stand for and the purpose behind Chick-fil-A. I think all of that is what I continuously think about. I owe my dad and his legacy to do my very best. And I owe true it and the Kathy's my very best. And so I think that there's that internal, it almost just feels like a family business to me rather than just Chick-fil-A. You know, Truett shook my hand. I met Truett on the day I graduated from FRL. And I'm so thankful for that opportunity because he shook my hand and said, take care of it for me. No pressure. I mean, that's an incredible moment and in the, the impact that I felt from that. I don't think I've ever lost that feeling in that moment of like, oh my gosh, like, this is an incredible responsibility that I have. And it is my job and my duty to live it out every day to the best of my ability. And my dad has always said, just do your very best. 
do your best in whatever you put your heart and your soul to. And so why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I lean into uncomfortable situations that benefit me or benefit the business? Why wouldn't I lean into creating a a system of care? Why wouldn't I do all these things? If it's going to be, that's my very best. It's a personal excellence issue as well. Yeah. I think that's kind of where it started is these two great men and I owe a lot to them and you know, true it's gone, but I want to make my dad proud. And I know I do. He would be in tears right now if he had to talk about it, but I have a daughter, like I'm like just empathizing and like, I want to cry right now. You you <laughs> saying that, but I love the two words that you use legacy and stewardship, because you mm-hmm. do have this incredible opportunity with what's been entrusted to you. And I love your level of commitment to steward it. Well, I can't imagine being in your shoes, shaking Truett's hand and, and hearing that from him. Obviously Truett isn't with us today. He's in heaven. But I think there's a reason even now, I found this out recently visiting the support center and they conduct all the final interviews now for for operators in Truett's office, off to the side of Truett's office right there in the meeting room to help, I think, feel a little bit of that healthy pressure, right? To uphold the legacy that exists and what was so impressive that's happened thus far within Chick-fil-A. And even tying that into your own personal legacy, Kayla, and getting to experience being a part of Truett's legacy and being a part of your father's legacy. And then all those that will be a part of your legacy that lives on past you one day is really powerful to step back and think about. So I appreciate you sharing this. You mentioned it was an emotional decision. It wasn't just like a business decision or a calculated decision to become a Chick-fil-A operator, but it was an emotional decision that you made. I think a lot of people out there listening would be encouraged by that, that yes, we're going to make business and calculated decisions, but put your heart in it, make a, make an emotional decision. It's going to inspire you and continue to motivate you. We've been historically in a season of success within Chick-fil-A. And so it's really easy to jump into Chick-fil-A because it's a really smart business decision. Mm-hmm. I watched my dad jump into Chick-fil-A. It was an emotional decision. He felt connected. Okay. Now in 2022, we are, we are having our, our least profitable year historically. And so now it comes down to, well, why did you get involved in Chick-fil-A? Is it an emotional decision to be a part of this legacy and this story? Or is it a business decision? It, it, what is fueling you? Like, why are you a part of this incredible company? And right now when things are tough financially, like there's gotta be something else that drives you besides your bottom line and besides your paycheck. It's gotta be bigger than that. And I think we can easily get distracted with the blessings that God's given our company and getting distracted by the paycheck. And I think it's got to be bigger than the paycheck. I would still do what I did today if I made half as much. Like it's got to, it's got to still matter. So the emotional side of it has to be really part of why you're involved in Chick-fil-A. Man, that's such a good word and such a great way to tie a bow on this episode of the podcast to really dig in, search your heart, think about the why behind what you do. Because like you said, there's a lot of things in this world that are fleeting, you know, whether it's money or reputation or notoriety, mm. you got to, you got to dig in. It's got to be about something that's bigger than yourself or it's just not going to last. So Kayla, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you spending this time with me. There's no telling the amount of value that's going to come from this, the impact that it's going to have on others, speaking of legacy. And so I just wanted to say thank you one more time for coming on the show today and, and being a part of this with us. My pleasure. Well, if Kayla talking about emotional buy-in doesn't get you fired up, 
I don't know what will. There were so many practical takeaways mentioned over the course of this conversation, so here is my best attempt at capturing them all. Number one, systems are critical for scaling connection. Chick-fil-A teams are growing more and moving faster than ever before. Organically connecting with everyone on your team is just no longer an option. Kayla is able to stay connected through structuring personalized birthday celebrations, quarterly one-on-ones for everyone on the team, handwritten affirmation cards from the leadership team and custom celebration cards when you catch someone doing something right. Number two is stay curious. Are you living in the middle or on the edge of your comfort zone? What could you decide to do today that may feel a little uncomfortable in the moment, but would ultimately lead to growth? And then number three, what's the why behind what you do? I'll quote Kayla here. It's gotta be bigger than a paycheck. You'll never feel true fulfillment at work until it's about something bigger than yourself. What legacy do you want to leave? Thanks again to Kayla for coming on the show today. If you're looking for more leadership content like this, connect with Kayla and myself on LinkedIn. Do me a huge favor. If you have not already, please take two seconds and subscribe to the podcast. And finally, if you want to learn more about partnering with me and the WildSpark team, click the link in the episode description, fill out the form on there and I'll follow up with you. Stay saucy, everybody.